When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, we did true and false yesterday. We're doing fill in the blanks today. So we asked our Football Insider subscribers to give us some fill in the blank questions, and we answered a bunch of them coming up on the podcast. It's Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and me. Uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you didn't get to see that text asking for fill in the blank questions. You're not getting that newsletter delivered to your inbox every day, written by a member of our Browns reporting team. And you're not getting access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. So it's the blue banner at the top of the page at cleveland.com slash browns. Get info, get signed up, give it a shot, especially with the draft coming up. It's uh, April 7th as you're listening to this. So the draft is coming. And even though the Browns don't have a first round pick, there's still a lot that's going to happen that weekend, uh, especially once they finally go on the clock. So you want to be a football insider subscriber uh, definitely by then. So get on board now. Try it out. All right, uh, here we go. Our... Thursday, Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. And here we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. We're doing fill-in-the-blanks. We went to our Football Insider subscribers to give us some fill-in-the-blanks. And Scott apparently has a fill-in-the-blank for us, too. So we're going to get to that one uh, at the end. Unless, like yesterday, his gets stolen again right off the top. Uh, Everybody the, thinks like me. <laughs> a lot of stuff about Deshaun Watson, a lot of stuff about Baker. Uh, so we're going to get into all that. Let's just start here from the 919 area code. And we've talked so much about Deshaun Watson's potential suspension. This kind of takes it a step further. If Watson misses more than blank games, the Browns will miss the playoffs. So assuming he's suspended, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's an injury or something. How much, I guess, I mean, the other way to put it is how many games does Deshaun Watson need to play for this team to make the playoffs? I think a lot of it's going to have to do with what the schedule looks like. Yeah. I mean, who, who they play and when is going to determine how big of a hit that is. Uh, man, I don't see how you can go over six though. Um, you can go three and three with Jacoby Brissett and you're, you're in good shape, but yeah, I think that what the schedule looks like is going to determine how bad that could be. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say six as well. That's the number that first came to my mind. That seems to be the cutoff point for me. I think you can get by uh, with the other uh, 11 games. Again, as Scott mentioned, as long as you kind of stick around 500 without him and uh, you can still make that push. So I'm going to say six. Yeah, I'm also going to say six and be unoriginal, but I think like if it gets bumped up to eight, now you're basically looking at half the season. So feasibly, how well are they going to do without him for half the season? And quite honestly, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. We think, you know, guessing that it could be probably in that range somewhere. So I think it's feasible that that's what happens, but I don't think if they if they, if he misses many more games than that, it's going to be really tough for them to just even gel together as an offense after that point. And we've seen a couple of times in the last few seasons that uh, uh, the Browns divisional games have been kind of pushed to the back end of the, of the schedule. And I'm sure they're all kind of hoping that that's the same case because you have those games sitting there 
uh, for when he could return. Um, that gives you more of a chance if, if maybe things don't work out, you know, so well during those first six to eight games or whatever. I okay, think so- they'll do that again for sure because yeah. – I mean, it has been so exciting that the last four or five weeks of every season has just been incredibly nail-biting, edge-of-your-seat games. I think they'll do that again. Yeah, the NFL likes to backload those. I mean, they want a scenario that we almost got this year, right, where the Browns and Bengals almost were, like, this close to playing, like, one game to win the AFC North. Um, so, so that's certainly a scenario they want. So, okay, let's play this game because I think Scott is right. It kind of depends on the schedule. Um, let's figure out the teams that you absolutely do or don't want to face when Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback of this team. So, uh, let's stay out of the division here. The chargers, right? That's a team you got to have Deshaun for. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, the Patriots, a lot of kind of, yeah. All right. Some hedging on this one. Uh, the saints, I think are a team you can beat with Jacoby Brissett. Um, somebody just jump in. If I say a team and you're like, no, you're wrong. The jets, a, a team you can beat with him. You want, you want to have Deshaun for the Buccaneers, except the counterpoint to that is it is it's an NFC game. So if you lose it, it's not quite as impactful, but you want to win that game. Falcons. That's one you want there. Uh, bills. You want to have Deshaun Panthers Brissett, Texans Brissett, dolphins. That's a on the border one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's like non-divisional teams. We've got the, let's, let's count. Let's take one of the dolphins or the Patriots. All right. So we'll put the dolphins here, the Texans, the Panthers, the Falcons, the jets and the saints. That's like six teams right there that if the Brown schedule starts with those six, that would be pretty ideal right right there. The more of those teams you can have in that first month and a half of the season, the better. Throw in a game against the Steelers maybe to, you know, get that division yeah. game up there. And I think you can handle, that's probably the team you're at least going into the season thinking you could handle the best if Watson isn't playing. Um, so it could work out, but you know, again, it's, you got to hope the NFL is thinking the same way. <laughs> I, I was just going to say this year when I started, you know, my first week on this job is week eight. And that was the first divisional game against the Steelers. So I saw all the divisional games in basically covering them, what, half a season. So if it's the same type of deal, you know, he might be out of that suspension range. It just in, in reading off these names, it really seems like at least heading in right now, there are, it seems like more winnable games this year, more easier games on the schedule. Last year was a pretty tough schedule. I do wonder if the NFL, when they make the schedule, might kind of slyly acknowledge the fact that Deshaun could be suspended and that might maybe they don't want a Sunday night Browns-Buccaneers game that's not going to be Tom Brady versus Deshaun Watson or Justin Herbert versus Deshaun Watson. I wonder if that's, that's probably kind of tough to do, but I, I do wonder if maybe we'll see that taken into account at least a little bit. Uh, but but well, the NFL wants ratings, man. They want yeah. Sean Watson against the Buccaneers in prime time. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's more feasible than, than we're uh, on the surface level it might look. So there we go. We've got, uh, we, we all, we've played the schedule game. It's April 6th and we've already kind of played the schedule game here. And oh boy, we're going to do it again. Don't worry at some point on this podcast. Uh, so now another Deshaun Watson question from the 423 area code. And I think this is an interesting topic. 
due to the extended time off the field, it will take Deshaun Watson blank games to get back to his normal productivity. So the last time he played a game was in December 2020. Uh, he sat out all of last season. We don't know when he'll play a real game again, if it'll be week one, if it'll be week five, week seven. How long, how many games do you think it takes for Deshaun Watson to be Deshaun Watson? We don't know what Deshaun Watson is going to be uh, with the Browns. Like for Deshaun Watson to become Deshaun Watson with the Texans, probably wouldn't be anything because he's just dropping back and chucking it. And <laughs> like he's the entire offense and, you know, volume is going to get him to big numbers but yeah i don't i don't know um i guess it helps that he's going to have an entire off season and there will be all the prep but uh i guess we're talking about like accuracy and timing and just reading a defense under fire that kind of thing he's been in the league for four years i mean i i don't see it being something where it's like we're a few games in and, and going wow he's just really he's rusty i, I don't i don't see that happening how high are the winds that day <laughs> at First Energy State? Yeah. Um, I, I would say a couple of games, knock off the rust in a couple of games, get acclimated to your new center, uh, get acclimated to the, you know, the new terminology, your new teammates, your new surroundings. I would say two games before he feels really comfortable out there. Yeah, I was going to say two or three. Obviously, we know the weather situation, how he fared the last time he had to play in first energy and the weather wasn't so good. So that is certainly one factor. But, you know, we talk so much about, you know, especially in, more so in the context of rookies and younger players about how important the offseason is and getting that work in. But I think given that he is coming into a new system and team, I think it's super important for him. So how much they can maximize that I think is going to be really crucial if they do a good job of that. That's why I kind of think it's not going to take so long, like a month plus for them to really get in a groove together. I do feel like that there's a little bit of a, it's kind of like riding a bike thing. Like he has been doing, I mean, you know, he, like Scott said, he, he's a veteran. He's, he's been around the block. I think once he kind of gets back up to speed, It'll be fine. So here we're going to pull out, we're pulling out all the classics for this one, the dog days of training camp classics for this podcast. Does Deshaun Watson need to play a fair amount in the preseason? Oh boy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just curious if that might serve him. So Baker last year played, I actually looked it up because um, I knew I was going to bring this up. Spoiler alert. But um, Baker played one quarter last season. Remember the Atlanta game? Kevin threw him out there and he played a quarter. Actually looked pretty good. They scored a touchdown. I mean, Deshaun is going to be allowed to play in the preseason, suspended or not. Could it benefit him to maybe get, I don't know, a half under his wing or under his belt? That's tough because they're going to know what the suspension is by then, we assume. And you also have another quarterback to get ready, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know how you navigate that. The other thing is, my goodness, I mean, with that type of an investment, and if you knew that he wasn't going to play the first four games of the season to risk an injury, you know, even like a potential season ending injury in a meaningless game like that. Oh, I don't know if you would take, I don't know if you'd want to take that risk. I probably wouldn't. Yeah. The injury, the potential for injury is very dicey. I think like that. I don't know if it's worth it. And, and who knows who else is going to be out there with him too. that. Like how valuable is that actually going to end up being for him to, play in, in one of those games so you guys yeah, you know. imagine 
bringing but, him in for all that money, taking on all the baggage and then getting hurt and uh, missing yeah. the whole season. That's wow. That would just yeah. be. <laughs> well, then we have to go back in time and redo our who gets more starts, Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield <laughs> discussion. <Yeah. laughs> See, there, there you go. You have to you have to plan for everything. This is the NFL. You have to have contingency plans upon contingency plans, like talking about preseason playing time on an April podcast. All right. <laughs> From the 719 area code, uh, one more Deshaun Watson question here. A year from now, Brown's ownership will feel blank regarding the Deshaun Watson acquisition. I think they'll feel fine about it. I, you know, I don't want to go too over the top, but I think he'll play well. They'll win a bunch of games. And now we don't know what'll be going on with the civil trials. Of course, that that's the other wrench in this, but I, I don't think they'll feel any differently, honestly. I mean, they signed off on it. They clearly wanted to make the deal and they gave them $230 million. So I don't think they'll feel any differently about this deal a year from now. I'm going to say justified. I think they'll, they'll feel like they did the right thing. They knew they went into it with their eyes wide open. They knew that there was going to be an enormous backlash against their decision. They knew that they were paying a ton of money. They knew they were taking risks. And I think that in the end, they will be happy that they they made this decision, even though uh, it's going to be rough for for a while. It's going to be turbulent waters for, for quite a while here. Justified was also going to be my word. Like, I think they just put in all this groundwork already and knowing what they want the results to be. I think it's, you know, win totals and things like that do obviously have a lot of potential to be better than last year. And considering where this roster is, we talk all the time that it's built to win now. I think they're just going to feel like the risk was worth it and that it paid off essentially. Yeah, I think to feel justified, though, they have to win a playoff game. Uh, cause then you you feel justified in the amount of money you spent and the commitment you made to the player. Um, as far as off season stuff, I guess, you know, we don't really know how the Haslam's feel. Um, I've always assumed that this was something that the Browns pursued with the, with the mind frame that he did all these things he's accused of, but we're going to move forward and try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Like you, you prepare for the worst, plan for the best kind of thing, or plan for the worst, prepare for the best, hope for the best, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, if the civil suits are going on all next year, then that side of things, I guess, is to be determined. But from a player standpoint, from a football standpoint, I think they'd feel justified if, if they at least won a playoff game. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they're, they're making this trade and, and giving him all that money if they think that things are going to get worse. Um, you know, I mean, Jimmy Haslam himself pointed out that there were two grand juries, you know, and, and I think once that stuff cleared, I think they at least felt like, OK, maybe the worst of this is going to be a suspension um, and, and then we move forward. Because, so, look, they gave up three first round picks. They paid him two hundred thirty million dollars. I, I don't think you do that without some level of confidence that you know, whatever your investigation turned up isn't going to affect you too much on the, on the football field, at least. Okay. Let's talk about this is, this one is kind of a, uh, a Scott Patsko special here. It's Richard Higgins adjacent. We'll call it that. Mm, okay. From, from the 740 area code. 
The most underutilized player on the Browns roster is blank or will be blank. Somebody asked me, somebody asked me a variation of this question over the weekend when I posted the Richard Higgins farewell to Cleveland story. And my answer was the new Richard Higgins will be, and this is kind of, this was a tough one. The new Richard Higgins will be Dearness Johnson. He'll be a guy that fans really like. They really want to see more of, but it's going to be tough to get him on the field. It's going to be tough to get him opportunities. And so I don't know the fans will be clamoring to see Dearness Johnson, but I think he'll be the guy that's like, man, we really like him. It would be cool if we could see a little more of him. I, my first thought was going to be Kareem Hunt. For some reason, I was just, I was thinking, I mean, I always think that he's underused. I always think that you could, uh, you could get him on the field more and have him do more things. And now that I think there's going to be even more of an emphasis on multiple wide receivers in the passing game, uh, of course, they can use him in that passing game. Uh, but but he's one that I, you know, I, I have to wonder if, if he's going to get as many reps, as many touches as he would have in a Baker Mayfield offense. So my heart says Johnny Stanton. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm telling you, go back YouTube, Johnny Stanton in high school, man. He was something else, dual threat quarterback. <laughs> um, but my head says Demetric Felton. He seems to be maybe a guy who fits that mold a little better because he did a lot of good things when he touched the ball. He just didn't get used a lot on offense. Um, and I think there's more of an opportunity for him to do those kinds of things. than maybe uh, Dernis Johnson, yeah, Dernis Johnson can get on the field when people are hurt, but I think Demetric Felton is somebody who you can work in uh, to the offense. Um, and he was working a lot when they went to three wide receiver looks even though he was technically a quarter or running back, he, you know, most of his snaps were, were out wide or in the slot. So I think he's a guy that could fall into that category, especially if he you know, makes a couple of plays early in the season. And he's, then you start hearing, well, why don't they use him more? Like everybody used to say about Richard Higgins. So I'll go with Felton. I've wondered as we're talking about this, like between on the receiver side of things between Donovan Peoples Jones and Anthony Schwartz, like say the Browns go out and get, at least one more guy like one of those guys is going to be out of the three receiver rotation then presumably and and we've obviously talked about both of them like Donovan being put in some not so great positions this year maybe that he's not suited for and are there going to be opportunities for him to be put in better positions and then Anthony obviously losing so much time with the concussion with missing preseason so I kind of wonder about those two guys and what their opportunities are going to look like because I don't think it's going to be equal for both necessarily. Schwartz is, those are actually both really interesting. I think receiver is always a position to look at when we talk about this. Schwartz is interesting because like if they do draft a guy who can be kind of the number two and they still want to get people's Jones in there. And if it's like, you want to have Schwartz on the field because you drafted him for his speed, but like you you just signed a return guy. Yeah. If you can't get Schwartz on special teams in another way, maybe you have to make some tough choices on that game day roster. I could see Schwartz kind of, you know, if he doesn't take that next step pretty quickly, I could see him sort of becoming a guy that we don't see a ton of and fans kind of wonder like, yeah, where's this guy at? Yeah. Yeah. So much of it is going to depend on what kind of a step does he take in his second season? And you guys know, I've, I've long thought 
that he was capable of more as a rookie if he had been able to stay healthy. So, you know, I've seen him working out already. He's got a tremendous work ethic. He really, really, really does. Uh, and he has had good coaching, good mentoring. I feel like there's, there's something there. There's two things that he has to really work on. Uh, number one is the route running. And then number two are his hands. And I thought his hands got a lot better last year, even just from rookie mini camp when he was dropping passes on air to, um, you know, to, to midway through the season when you could see that, that the lights were starting to come on for him and he was, he was getting better in terms of just catching the football. So I think he's going to actually take that big leap they expect him to take. And it might even be a little bit more pronounced than it would have been uh, based on the fact that he was so disappointing because of injuries in his rookie year. So it's all going to depend on what he's ready for. Um, and I do think Donovan is an interesting one because he, he seemed ready to take that leap and he did do so early on in the season. And then he dropped off at the end, but everybody dropped off at the end. That was a pass catcher in this offense. Everybody did even, even guys that like that, that looked like they were on an upward trajectory, like they couldn't catch the ball. It was the weirdest thing, right? I mean, like Austin Hooper couldn't catch the ball. Jarvis wasn't having a good season. Donovan. So it will be very, very interesting to see how these guys all kind of get their scripts flipped, you know, with Deshaun and, and how that all goes. And like with Donovan too, I mean, I, I just think he thrives better in like that number three role, which we talk about, like not even just from X's and O's, the kind of routes he's running, what he's doing on the field, but just like when you look at when he struggled in college, like it was always when he was like the focus. And I think towards the end of the season after Odell was gone, he kind of became a bit more of the focus for opposing defenses. And I don't think that that's the role he's best suited for. He needs to really be that third guy. Okay, let's take a break. And then we've got some more uh, fill in the blank questions from our subscribers. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, doing some fill in the blanks. This one has to do with the defensive line from Stacy in Columbus. The Browns' best defensive lineman, not named Miles Garrett, in 2022. Stacy actually put 2023, looking way into the future. Uh, we're going to go 2022, though. Will be blank. The Browns' best defensive lineman, not named Miles Garrett, in 2022, will be blank. I'm going to say Jadavian. <laughs> I'm going Jadavian. I like it. I don't, I don't know where he is. Where are you, JD? Um, but I think they're going to try to get him back here. And I think the, they are trying to get him back here. And I think the fact that Deshaun is here in the same way that makes the Browns more intriguing to Jarvis Landry, I think it makes them more intriguing to, to, JBN, to, to, to JD, even though he will have other opportunities. So um, I think they're going to get him back here. And I think he's going to like it and he'll be happy. And I think he's going to have good production. Yeah. I was going to say the longer his, this kind of free agency for him drags out, the more hopeful I am that he could potentially come back because the Browns just keep getting more appealing, I think. And hope isn't lost yet. And if he comes back here, he's definitely number two on my list. What do we think is taking so long? Is it just Jadavian being Jadavian? Is he looking for a reason to not show up on April? 19th? Didn't, didn't we know. say, I mean, before free agency even opened, I feel like we had a discussion about, we didn't think he would be like one of the first guys off the board that he would take his time. 
Yeah, he signed around April 12th last year, I think. I looked it up the other day, and I think it was around April 12th or 13th, something like that. Scott, who do you have? And I was going to pick somebody who's on the roster now. You guys are like cheating. <laughs> uh, but the pickings are slim. I mean, yeah. I guess I guess you would say Winovich out of the guys that who are currently here. Um, but I think it's a no-brainer if they do bring back Clowney that he'll be the guy. Maybe he, after going through training camp for the first time in forever last year, he decided that just wasn't really as fun as he thought it would be. And now he's just gonna wait. <laughs> he'll 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 show up like you know a week before week one. Um yeah, I think those are pretty much your two options right now. Winovich or Clowney. I'm really intrigued by Winovich and kind of how they're going to deploy him and what it means for, for this defense and, and kind of how it looks, you know, cause they have these athletic linebackers and Winovich is kind of in between a little bit. I think he can do both. Um, I'm just curious about how this is going to look. I mean, Joe Woods is, I know the, the four, three, three, four thing is a little antiquated, but he is a three, four guy. I wonder if we might see a little more of a slant towards that. Um, especially if Clowney doesn't come back, you know, if Clowney comes back, then yeah, you've got your four man fronts and all that stuff. But I do wonder if, if we might see a little bit of a shift, you know, away from just that traditional, here's our two ends, here's our two tackles, you know, let's line up and go. And I, you know, they're going to be a nickel a ton. They'll be in that, that dime package a ton, but I'm just curious how it's all going to look with, with Winovich in there. Cause you've got to have him on the field, rushing the passer. Another guy to watch for this year, and I don't think he's going to be the, the second best defensive lineman after Miles, but I actually think Tommy Togiai uh, might have some something to him. And I, I, I feel like he's going to have a pretty decent season as part of that tackle rotation. So I think he'll be somebody to watch. They need somebody on the defensive interior to step up because that group, uh, not great last year. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, Sean can I also, Richardson. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, bring him yeah. back. Just bring everybody back. Just yeah. bring all the old guys back <laughs> a little, a little reunion of, of recent Browns players, uh, a little self-promotion. I, I am putting up a, a Browns only mock draft and I had him taking Josh Pascal in, in round three. So Thank you. Get uh, on, get on my boat. Get on. This is yeah. where I've been banging the drum for him since these, the first mock draft. Then after the combine, oh. I fell even more in love with him. I'm obsessed with the possibility of them taking him in the third round. And, and Lance Zerline compared him to Emmanuel Agba. Okay. I think, I mean, just everything I've read about him, it just seems like this is such an edge-heavy class. Like, all the positive things you read about him, that he could be such a value pick for whoever gets him. Yeah. A, a little outside their their desired age range, but mm-hmm. that's okay. It's third round pick. You, you, can, you can go outside that a little bit if you want to. All right, let's get to a few more before Scott springs his on us here. Um, okay, this one's interesting. Kind of have to think through this one a little bit. This comes from the 7-4 area code as well, maybe the same person. Uh, the Browns will have blank number of pro bowlers. Mm. It's six this year, right? Maybe. I don't remember. I think it was six. Okay, uh, let's see. Let me here. count. Miles, five. Denzel. Chuck. I'm just going through the people it could be. Miles, Denzel. Right. Let's let's go ahead and put them in the Pro Bowl. Let's put Joel in the Pro Bowl. Wyatt. Wyatt'll get there again. That's usually how it works. You kind of once you get there, you kind of keep going back when you're an off- offensive lineman. So that's four. 
Let's see. Amari. Amari could be five. Sure, Amari. He's got a chance. Jack, we don't know if Jack Conklin's going to be healthy. That's a tough one. Um, we don't know when he'll came, be back. This came up yesterday. And again, I have got to go check, check out. I should know this. And I'm sorry that I don't know this right at the moment. But if Deshaun is suspended under the personal conduct policy, can he still make the Pro Bowl? I, I have to figure that out. I should See, know. But, and I'm sorry, I don't know. So this is how stacked the AFC is, though. There are like... When you when you think about the quarterbacks that could make the Pro Bowl, like those, oh, yeah. it's three spots, right? Like, yeah. if there's going to be some good quarterbacks that have good years left off the Pro Bowl roster, oh yeah, just because there's too many guys. Yeah, there's there's uh... one of them will probably make the Super Bowl, so then you get to an alternate. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. we're getting into the weeds here. There's a, <laughs> the there's a ton of great AFC quarterbacks. It's amazing. Well, I've gotten us up to like five. Did we say pretty legitimate candidates? And I think there's others out there. Did we say Chubb? No, I didn't. I missed Chubb. So there we go. That's that would get us. I was like, we either missed Chubb or Denzel. I couldn't remember if we said. (laughs) I wrote Nick Nick down. I thought we said him. (laughs) So six, if like Amari were to make it, Sean would be a seventh. Um, Yeah. Miles Chubb and, and, uh, and Batonia are the locks, I think. Yeah. And I think Denzel's got a good chance. Kind of getting Chase. back there helps. Chase. Yeah. So Chase. Chase McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I do agree. <laughs> All right. So I think there's like seven or eight like legitimate candidates. There's like three or four sure things. I think I think Joel is a sure thing. I think yeah. again, I think once you start getting there and, and you just oh, yeah. stack those good seasons, you're gonna keep going. Um it's okay. Let's say I'm gonna say six. Yeah, I'll say six. I'm gonna go seven. I'm going to say four and the Browns, the story will be how the Browns got uh, screwed out of, out of, uh, out of Pro Bowl selections, even though they have a great record. I like it. All right, Scott, let's get to yours. There was another one here, but it was kind of playing the schedule game again. So we're going to, we're going to pass on that one. Um, Scott, let's get to yours. I want to hear. Okay. So mine involves a a scenario Um, right now. The, the Browns have about 20, 20 million cap space. Um, I think you have to take your rookies out of that. So that's like what, five-ish million? Five maybe? or six. Something mm-hmm. like that. All right. So you got that money to work with. You get one more free agency move this offseason. That's it. You still get the draft, but you can only make one more free agency move. That's the team you take into training camp. So if I only get one more free agency move, I'm signing blank. I have a feeling this could come down to two people who previously played for the Browns, but maybe you have someone <laughs> yeah. different in mind. I'm going to say Clowney. I just think he's so was so important to this defense last year. I think he elevates Miles game. I think Miles likes playing with him. I think it, it takes a big question mark in terms of depth of your offense or defensive line off of the table. Um, and yeah, they can address that other ways. But I think the fact that he already has experience playing here with Miles in this scheme, um, that would be the move I make. I would agree with Ashley on that. But there's something else I would do. Probably not going to happen, but I would do it. Um, and I think it would be well worth it. I would trade for Brandon Cooks of the Texans. And I would use that money that you have left over, uh, you know, to pay him whatever you need to pay him in the extension that you're going to have to give him. 
So that would be sort of the other veteran move. And I don't know if you were counting. I think that counts. Uh, would that count, Scott, like a, a trade situation? Sure. It was just one move. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So that, that's what, what I would do. Uh, again, right now, unlikely to happen. I would put, as I said, to, told our texters, probably about a 40% chance of that happening. But, um, but it's, it's something that I would do just because it gives Deshaun somebody that he's familiar with. They connected for 81 passes in 2020, 1,150 yards and six TDs. And, uh, you know, just give him that familiarity. I think it would take some nice pressure uh, away from Amari to have two sort of bona fide number one receivers. Uh, it would add a lot of speed. And I think that would just be a, a dangerous trio. Deshaun to Brandon and Amari. That would be really, really tough to cover. I'm going to say Clowney. I, I just think, I think the drop off, if you don't bring back Clowney, even, even with bringing in Chase, I think the drop off is still pretty dramatic. And I think you, you kind of, you kind of had a lottery ticket last year. You didn't know what he was going to be. You didn't know if he was going to stay healthy. He came in, he was happy. He was healthy. He was productive. And I, I really think there's something to this idea of just not, not just what they do on the field, but what it looks like when you just have these freaks on either side, like absolute monsters, giant athletic, they both can bend the edge. Like it's hard to find that kind of pass rush pairing. So I think that would be my move too, is, is to bring back Clowney on like a, you know, whatever it is, two year, two year deal, 12 million a year, make sure you can get out of that second year. Um, that, that would be my move. Yeah. I really tried to find somebody who wasn't Clowney or Jarvis Landry. Um, but I just kept coming back to Clowney. I think I can live with what they have at receiver. Um, you had a really good thing going with the defense and I think that would be a big hit to take him off of it. Um, you want that defense to be up to the level it was last season. Um, it was such a big reason for optimism. The fact that the defense finally did start playing so well, uh, especially over the latter half of the season. Um, I think Deshaun Watson makes the offense work with this receiver group. You don't need to have, I mean, again, we're talking about Brandon cooks. It, other than him, I mean, they, he, there were a lot of, I think I wrote, there were a lot of deep cuts <laughs> on that, on that wide receiver uh, depth chart in with the Texans in 2020. It just, it was not uh, a murderer's row at all. So I think he, he makes the offense better just by being him and he doesn't need necessarily to have to like a, a guy and a one, a guy or anything like that. Um, so I think Clowney is the answer for me here. They will add another receiver though. Somehow there'll be somebody else, whether they sign a guy or you know, bring back Jarvis or draft somebody, you know, use that second round pick or even a third round pick. They're going to find a guy that can come in and play. I think mm -hmm. there's another receiver coming. I, I don't know how, I don't know who it's going to be, but I, there has to be another receiver coming. I think yeah. Will Fuller's still out there. Yes, he is. Um, yeah, there's another receiver coming. And, you know, I still think they could get a good one in the draft. Um, but it's never a sure thing right away. But I still think that you could get a good one at 44. Or if you 
trade up a little bit from number 44. Um, and I, I would still sign. I mean, if, if I don't think Brandon Cooks is actually really going to be available, I don't think that's realistic. Um, but I would, I would try to do everything I could to get Jarvis back here, because if you go Amari Jarvis, and then you draft someone at 44 or 38 or whatever, um, I, I think you, you have a really good receiving core. I think you would end up with exactly what you would need. This would have been a good discussion when they sell the 13th pick, but I think it still applies with where they're at. Like these drafting receivers is going to become more and more valuable because we're seeing where these contracts are going now with Devonte Adams and today, Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill. I mean, we're seeing how much these receivers are getting paid now in the open market or when they're trading extended. And so when you can draft a guy that is going to be under that rookie contract, it's going to be, it's go, not going to be as valuable as that quarterback under a rookie contract, but it's going to be like having a corner or having an edge rusher or having, a, those are going to be like the three non-quarterback positions where if you have that cost-controlled guy who's producing for you at a high level, it, the value of that is going to be just through the roof. Yeah, that's another reason why uh, the Brandon Cooks thing probably won't happen is because with what we've seen happen in the receiver market just in the last two weeks, He's going to want to get paid and in a big way. And with all the big numbers and the salaries coming due next year, they're really not going to want to give out another enormous salary like that. All right, there we go. Our fill in the blanks. Appreciate our Football Insider subscribers uh, giving us our questions, uh, even though Scott's trumped them all. So there you go. You guys have to do better next time. No, I'm I'm a pro. I mean, I get paid for this. (laughs) <laughs> somebody did rip on me for making the, the subscribers do all the work they did say like what does dan do and he has all the all the subscribers do all the work told him i want family <laughs> feud reruns uh cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get info get signed up and do that work for me uh of course we would certainly appreciate it and make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen apple podcasts spotify all those places for scott ashley and mary Kay. i'm dan thanks for listening everybody